0: Now we watch what we say, or we get hit with the introductory shame.
1: (laughs) Well said. I have to be very careful. What's up, everybody? This is Josh coming to you with another episode of the affiliate marketing show. If you're not hip to offervault.com, we are the industry's largest aggregator of affiliate networks, direct advertisers, advertising networks, affiliate programs, affiliate offers, everything affiliate marketing. We are your one-stop shop. With me today. And as always, I have the CEO and founder of Ringba, the industry's best paper call tracking company in the game. You need your calls tracked. You hit up Ringba. They got you covered. We also have the affiliate industry heartthrob, Harrison Gewurz with us today. And we have a man who needs no introduction. He's recognized as one of the top customer generators in the world, specializing in insurance and financial services. He's the CEO of Pocket Ear Dollars, which was recently acquired last year. We're going to get into that in a little bit. And he is, well, my bad, Pocket Ear Dollars. They help specialize in you achieving your financial freedom. And you probably actually know him better by his famous music production name, Tones. He's killing the game right now, making new beats and songs that you'll be dancing to no time. Let's give it up for Anthony Serendrea. What's up, Anthony? How you doing?
2: What's up, dude? How do I get my title switch with Harrison on the, the heartthrob, dude? I, I, know, I know, honestly. You, the look,
1: you look like look uh, That's an envious title, dude. That's badass. You got this. You're look not like, single,
2: Tony. That's the problem. That's did, did Harrison write that in, Josh? Did he write that? that no, he.
1: they just troll me with
0: a new title every week. They called me a guru <laughs> a couple weeks ago. I almost flew to fucking Ohio and kicked his door in.
1: Yeah, he did not yeah, like, like that.
2: You might want to run with heartthrob for the next few episodes. That's badass. Let's, let's go with it. <laughs>
3: Yeah,
1: I figured yeah, so I could get left. For
3: everybody listening, Harrison is single, mm-hmm. available, and knows how to sling clicks.
2: Yes, he does.
0: <laughs> take it, clicks,
2: calls, whatever. I'll sling them.
1: <laughs> so that was a pretty good intro. I had a little hiccup there, but overall, yeah, and I I that hiccup. I did okay. I'm already
0: on. I'm already on Indeed doing a posting.
1: Yeah, damn it, Anthony. Should I call you Tony, Anthony? What do you like? You I'll take it all. That's All right, cool. Yeah, my job, if you haven't seen the show, is always, it's on, it's hanging on by a thread every week. So it's, I'm glad I got to be here for this. I don't know if I'll be here next week, but you're a pretty big guest. So I'm pretty stoked to be here today. Where are you talking to us from? Scottsdale, Arizona, dude. I'm home, home base. Oh, nice. You and Harrison, Welcome your 11. homies. Yeah, yeah dude. Right, I appreciate
2: Harrison's it. twenty, Harrison, fun fact for everyone on the show, lives a baseball throw to where I, where I lived in high school. So we, he, I, I can
0: see the home he grew up in that, from yeah. my bedroom. And I, I look at it every night and just
1: reminisce, oh. <laughs> little anthony down there if all i
0: sleep every night
1: harrison's in his window with binoculars every night just looking at your house <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah. grow.
2: unfortunately it's probably my dad over harrison's house freaking looking him through binoculars I, I will say another fun
0: fact if you call anthony tony i will assume it's his dad
1: who who's yeah. out with oh, nice. more
0: than anthony for some fucking reason
1: are you uh are you aj no i'm actually not we have a different middle name oh okay got yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah. So I do want to revisit Tones. I know it's not really internet marketing related, but I think it's cool. I was looking on your Instagram and I saw you said basically one day you were just like, I want to get into the music game. So I'm just really curious, like, how did that come about? Did you have friends in the industry that are doing it? Do you have friends that are just producing music? And you're like, I want to learn how to do that. How'd you learn how to do that? Just kind of, you know, bird's eye view of like, what what is Tones? What kind of music are you doing and how you got started in that?
2: Dude, I... um went to my first music festival was Coachella, maybe like four or five years ago. And it's, uh, I think everyone, I'll, I'll relate it back to to everyone listening too. I think it was the first time I was away from my phone or technology for, must have been six, seven years, like legitimately the first like two or three day period. And it was only because there was no service there. So it was, it's just like awesome, nostalgic, like uh, opportunity for me over this four day, you know, music festival to just disconnect from, any technology and like i've I've never done a drug before i'm like like not even not even like talking in like like a psychedelic experience just like really just like a breath of fresh air to not just be so plugged in for at that time was at least 10 hours a day seven days a week so it it was uh i I just i just got flooded with great feelings from it and um so you know i'd I'd always been a fan of of you know edm music the energy around how happy people were all the time and again probably half of that is because of drugs um but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, not me but uh it, it was uh, it's just really fun to, to to be a part of so you know it must have been um maybe a year and a half ago two years I was just I was just looking for a new challenge uh, something that that I I hadn't been focused on or that that seemed fun to me and I really uh I, I just I don't know sometimes maybe I just play games with myself I wanted to see if there's something I could take from zero to substance. Where I had no prior experience. So I had no friends in the industry. I didn't know how to, I've never played an instrument before, like everything from scratch and said, how, how far can I get in and how quickly applying, you know, just, just life principles. And, and so, you know, to answer your question, I hired, uh, I have a, a manager I hired, I have uh, coaches that I work with all the time. Like just like anything I want to get good at, I go try and find the best of the best, pay them to teach me everything they know, go and hire great people around me to be able to get it to the next level. I'm 99% sure I'll knock on wood. I'm going to get booked for EDC in the next month here, which would be a really wow.
1: cool. Wow. That's thing. huge, dude. Yeah. yeah.
2: So it would be it'd be, it'd be a really cool uh, journey in, in a year and a half time from not, not knowing anything about music to having almost a million streams across, across platforms to ideally getting booked at a major music festival. So it, it's really been hey. all, all fun. Hey guys. Uh, when is EDC?
0: It's in May. It's yeah. in May. I believe so. Dude. Man. May 19th through 21st at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I just yeah. pulled it up cuz I, I was I mean curious.
3: Anthony Lots of industry people have been trying to get me to go to a party for years. And, is, that you know, the one,
2: my, is that the one?
3: My uh, my philosophy is if it's not my party, I'm not going. But I think I might be willing to go to
1: that. Dude,
2: that'd be badass. That we have some fun, dude. That'd be sweet.
1: So, so Anthony, did I'm you doing, do.
2: We've got a recording timestamp, Josh? We can record the timestamp so we can show it to Adam if he tries to back out. yeah you should
1: you should invite him with like vip passes just to make it even harder for him to say no yeah you know
2: what i'll do actually adam adam i know adam only wants the presidential treatment they have helicopters adam that'll fly you from the strip to and from we'll make sure we get that all set up for you so you're flying in a helicopter landing oh that's acceptable and then wait 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 wait
3: wait wait wait. so you're telling me that i can get on a helicopter land at edc only
2: wants you perform Yes, sir. Oh, I'm fucking going to that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You heard it here first. Adam will be attending (laughs) his first party ever in his life. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think this kind of does relate to maybe our audience in a way, just in terms of like starting from nothing and learning how to do something. Right. So I want to touch back on that. You know, I, too, dabbled in the music space a little bit, including production. So I know they sell like courses for like learning how to do Ableton and stuff like that. So, and I only know you use Ableton because I messaged you about it, but so did you do any of those like paid courses that kind of walk you through it? You have like no musical, I'm sure you like listening to music, but like, did you study music theory at all? Do you have a good ear? Like what was your approach to actually learning it? I do now,
2: but not, not at the beginning. And it's, it was interesting. It was, and this isn't. Hopefully, this doesn't come off like ego, egotistical. It had been a while since I had started as like a, a off the str- like newcomer, right? And and didn't have, any, didn't rely on like past like accolades or experience or anything to to kind of jump the line, if you will. So I thought it was interesting. So I just I went online and I googled, you know, DJ coaches in Arizona, and I went to this guy, and and you know, he thought I was a kid off the street, and it was it was remarkable for me to see how hard it is can be, excuse me, to go from zero to one, you know, there's always books and thoughts and business or anything. And, um, you know, this guy from everything I had, like, uh, I had already had a show booked. I had no idea how to DJ like three weeks later because of my, my, my being resourceful. And, uh, he, he almost fell in his chair like, saying, no, you can't do that. You won't be able to do that. You won't be good enough by then. And, and it was just, it was just interesting to see how, um, especially from zero to one, how external people or opinions or things can, can hold you down or maybe even stop you from, Pushing forward to that to that next level, it's easy, right? When it's easy, when you have a great company, you know Ringba, or you sold your company, or you're you know what, whatever it is for people to cheer for you. But when you're you know starting from zero, you know you, you're dealing with more external pressure, I think, and, and influence to. That, that could halt you from getting to the next level. I remember it was like DJ Khaled was like getting made fun of for working out. And then everyone's calling him fat. He's like, what do you want a fat guy that doesn't work out? Right. Like he's like, so it's, it, it was, it was interesting um, to go, to go through that psychologically. And of course I, I, I got rid of that coach and moved on to a next one and, and then a the next one and then the next one, and then eventually found a a great coach that I thought, on board for my vision and dreams that was skilled enough um so and and then you know it, it's just like anything it just you just keep progression and and finding momentum and then to answer your question I, I learned that okay to get booked at major music festivals which was my why right like i started with okay what do i want to do i want to be booked at a major music festival i obviously knew how, thought you know need to know how to dj which you still do learn like you have to be able to produce your own music to get booked. People have to be there for your own music. So then I said, okay, got it. I'll go start down that path and learning that path. And the same thing. I, 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 I'm a huge, like um, people are like, do you read a lot of books? I actually don't read a ton of books, but I have at least once I I want to say at least once a day on average, because like yesterday I had three meetings of people that are better than me in some category. Like I just got off a, a private zoom call with the founder of AOL. Like I, I I'm, I learned so much in an hour where I can actually ask questions as well, too. Um, or if it's some guy who's really philanthropic or somebody who's really good at producing music where I can get very real time um, coaching and learning and feedback versus a book is obviously amazing because I can tap into someone's life in two, three hundred pages. But imagine if I could. You know, as I start reading about a topic, I can ask specific questions that apply to me. Well, how would you do this? How would you do that? So I get that a lot in coaching and 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 men- mentorship on the other direction, where I'm paying mentors to be able to do stuff for me. So that's that's how I learned. I worked with with coaches tw- uh, twice a week, uh, three hours a week, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but my schedule that was that was a, a relatively big commitment to be able to go through and have people come to the house and go through and I'm learning and able to ask real time. And I believe I learned faster. Someone would learn faster being able to have real time. Uh, questions and feedback based on what you're actually looking to get to and, and, and go for.
1: Yeah. And so you mentioned going from zero to one. So moving right along to our next topic here, I'm curious, how'd you go from zero to one when it came to the internet marketing marketing space and getting your start and becoming the figure in the industry that you are today?
2: Yeah, dude. I had a, um, I was, I was doing, a, I was trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. I, and I was in college and, you'll laugh I'm, I'm five foot nine and, and uh, uh, not, not height gifted. I, my, my dream was always to go play professional basketball overseas. was to go play basketball somewhere in, in Europe or Asia or something like that. And get get me to play professional basketball. I, uh, I, uh, you know, a little delusional, right. But uh, it was my dream and goal of my whole life revolved around doing that. And it was probably sophomore year of college where Uh, for whatever reason, I had to wake up and was like, that's probably, it's probably not the path you're going to go down. Right. But I mean, I, I, when I tell you that's all I I thought about and did all day long, I was obsessive around that goal. And um, you know, it was, it was, it was a little interesting retiring that goal and being, being kind of almost now like post acquisition, like what, what am I going to do next with my life? Like having, having a very comfortably uncomfortable time of being able to write the next chapter of my life is, is a, is, and was, was interesting. So I was, I was just saying thing, just having conversations at that time with people and maybe not meetings, but just conversations with uh, older people and their friends and their friends of friends and what do they do? And then trying out different internships. And I remember all it was, was I had a mentor tell me if you could put it, you could x something off a list. It's just as good as circling it, that that's what you want to do because eventually you'll run out of shit to X off. And I thought that took a lot of pressure off for me because I was so scared of circling that I want to be a fireman. Figuring out that that's what I wanted to do, and I and it was a lot more approachable to focus on crossing off. That I didn't want to be a police officer. I didn't want to be, a, whatever, an accountant or whatever it was, because eventually I'd run out of you know list of things to do and be left with five and say, oh, one of these five is is, is what I want to do. So that felt approachable. So I I started um actually sorted by the highest paying internship at ASU, found a guy for uh did a custom LCD displays doesn't even fucking matter, and it was for an internet marketing position. And uh, I didn't know anything about the internet. I did door-to-door sales and and uh, solar hot water systems. And um, the the uh, the position I remember after I interviewed, I called my buddy and I was like, "This guy has a crush on me. If he hires me, I don't know what the fuck he was talking about." SEO, and <laughs> HTML, and WordPress. And I, I was like, "Dude, I have no idea. I'm just bullshitting my way through the whole thing." The guy calls me, ends up giving me giving me the job. He's like, "Hey, I just I, I like your your energy and what you're doing, and I, I think you'll figure it out." And, uh, you know, he's obviously saw something in myself. I didn't see it. And, um, so I, I started going down that path and it was, and it was, and it was cool to start learning the internet, getting paid to learn. I would literally sit in his office, get paid at that time, 15 bucks an hour. It was like amazing for, for me. And, uh, you know, get paid 15 bucks an hour to really just do research and learn and be like, Holy shit, you can actually sell people via the internet, um, and not have to go knock on someone's door in order to make a sale. It was just, I was kind of like obsessed and interested with the idea that I didn't need my, I didn't need to physically be in front of someone to actually make a sale or to actually make a transact, facilitate a transaction. So that was that was my first exposure to the internet.
1: And then, how did you go from working that fifteen dollar an hour gig to becoming Tony Serendrea, the icon that is? I, um, I don't know about an icon that is, but I'll say. <laughs> I'm looking at Adam just losing it <laughs> right now.
2: Thank you. Uh,
3: sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, shit! I was on mute. No, fuck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <That's hilarious>. uh, <laughs> for um Dude, uh, trying remember the fucking. Question. Wow, did I just oh, derail oh, the whole oh, interview? No, how, no, did no, yes, become, it, how
3: did you become the internet yeah. icon that I, is Tony Sarandria? Sarandria,
1: um, sorry, am I saying that wrong? Sarandria. No, yep, you've you been saying
0: it wrong the whole app, doggy. Uh,
1: Oh okay. <laughs> you guys, today we have Anthony Sarandria on the there show he is, with us. Amanda.
2: That's all right. I've been Sarandria my whole life, dude. Okay, cool. Um what was what were next next steps from there you're asking? I I did exactly what I just said with the DJ stuff. I invested in a course that actually my uh, business partner um was you know, went on to become my business partner um was doing so I paid him for for coaching and consulting. He eventually went on to be my business partner. Same time, I started having conversations around. Um, and I think this is an interesting lesson. I, I went to a health club actually up by Harrison, the village, and um, it's a really. Um, I was in the. I didn't know it at the time. I wasn't strategically doing this. I was in the right room. I was around people. You know, I made a post about my 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 dad off a retired police officer salary, um, put me and my three younger brothers through private Catholic education. I, undoubtedly, we were on the the lower half on income. Um, in, in the school but I I didn't I didn't re- I don't think he even knew what he was doing I think maybe he was following something religious but he was putting me in the right room with the right people and so I was I was at this health club that that has a bunch of very well-off individuals at and I was just having conversations and I was just asking people what they did and I, I saw a guy on a Tuesday shooting hoops and I said what the hell do you do and he said oh I work, work on the internet and this you know it's seemingly like when I look back seems like it was all within like a day or two that, I, I, I took my business partner's course and I had this job and I had this like reality was probably spread over six months to a year somewhere in there. But I started working for a guy at the health club uh, for free. He ran an internet marketing company. I paid my went on to be business partners, uh, uh, paid for his course, and then I was still working for this guy. So I was I was just I was taking a lot of action around uh, where I thought I wanted to head and I was OK that if at some point I said, hey, the internet's not for me. I was okay cutting it off, but I'm, I was I was gonna, just like we were talking about with the music stuff, I was g- gonna run at at 100 miles an hour um, and give it the right shake to be able to be successful. And worst case, I I never looked at it as a waste of time. I knew I was learning stuff along the way. So even if I pushed all the way up and I said, Hey, the internet's not for me. I know there was, there was amazing life lessons and things that I learned that I would apply to go be a police officer as an example or whatever, whatever it is that I actually ultimately wanted to do or continue to reinvent myself to do. So took a lot of action, paid for a course, got a mentor, was working for free, busting my shit. And then I, and then I had a job where I could actually, um, implement it, um, daily where I could actually go spend, really play with someone else's money and making it up. Let's say you had a five grand a month AdWords budget at the time. I was learning from this course. I was learning over here for a free mentor, uh, mentorship. And then I was applying it to call it $5,000 a day. of not my own money, I got to play with and learn what worked, what didn't work. So it was a very low risk, just high, um, really at the time, which is all I had, which was time, time commitment. I was paying a lot in time, but I didn't, I wasn't paying a lot of money. So it was low risk from a, Monetary, monetary perspective, if you will.
3: Would you say that during this process in your career that you were like one hundred percent all in versus dabbling?
2: I would say my actions were one hundred percent all in. Mentally, I was I was dabbling, uh, and I, I don't even know if that that fully makes sense. But I but I was I was I wasn't married to if this didn't work. That it's all or nothing. Like I have to do this or, or nothing. So I wasn't. Did I was you like, ever
0: hit that level? Like how long in after you started really grinding was it like this is it? This is all I'm doing.
2: This is you know what's shit. funny, dude. I'm gonna answer this funny. Um, I I don't know if it ever has. I think I've I've always been open to to it it not being right. And like even even now, like post acquisition, like uh, I don't know if my and I'm sure it will be. I'm not saying it like this, but I'm not married that my next business has to be an internet marketing. Business, right? And and ultimately, I have to be kind of silly for it not to have a big uh, a portion of the business to have, relate to dr- acquiring customers online because that's a core competency I know at this point. But I, I don't know if it was ever like this is this is it. I I've written off every other idea that I could ever be or do anything else other than this. Now to Adam's question, I I certainly was all in from my action standpoint. I certainly am all in today from from the actions I'm taking to figure out what the hell I do want to do next in in life. Um, But but I I uh, I don't know if that's that's the I think that's the right answer for me. I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's an answer that helps a lot of people, but I I, I certainly think it does.
3: I I think if you go back and focus on the portion of the answer where you said that all of your actions were 100 percent committed in the direction you were heading, even though that maybe mentally you were thinking, like, is this the one or maybe I'm doing something else. I think for me, the key component of that is that all of your actions and energy were focused on this one single thing. So you were all in. You just weren't closed minded about it, which I think is a, a different thing. Right.
2: I, I would agree. So then, yes, to answer your question, yeah, all in for sure. Yeah, because I, I don't believe I could have half, 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 the, half asked this and then said, OK, that's not for me. I, I don't think I would have given it the right. Sh- if, if I don't give it the right shake, how do I truly know? whether something's for me or not for me. And it's an interesting point too, Adam, is like it it was tough because I obviously, if you haven't noticed, I do this all day long. I move. I've got way too much energy in this body. And to sit in front of a computer for 12 hours a day when you take it at face value is fucking horrible and daunting. But I fell in love with what I mentioned, the infinite reachability I had where I wasn't geographically or time-based limited. I I had more than 24 hours in the day. I had more than just my, uh, two mile radius that I could go knock doors on as, as a, as an analogy to it. So I, I was obsessed and fell in love with what the actual mechanism was. I wasn't necessarily drawn back to the vehicle that was getting me there, which is a a lot of, a lot of times when I think things get stopped or people stop, it's when they, they lose, you know, maybe they're focused on the vehicle, getting them to the destination as being not the prettiest or coolest car they want to be in. But you know that focus on the destination and having extreme clarity around what I want to do with my life, where do I want to head? And at the time, it, listen, at this point, it's very easy for me to talk and say I want to change the world and do great things. At the time, it was to make hundred thousand dollars a year, where I had freedom of time. I didn't have a dick asshole boss that was telling me what I, what I that was you know not giving me a good quality of life. I could work remote, which is no at the time was was an awesome you know not new concept, but less more rare concept. I wanted to work remote where I could work or who I wanted, when I wanted, and I want to make a hundred grand. And that, that was my destination that I wanted to hit. And the the 12 hours a day in front of the computer, I didn't let draw me down from getting to that destination. Now the beauty is when you hit, at least in my experience, when you hit a destination, you move to a bigger, greater, further destination. Cause it can be, you know, it, it's the journey of getting there that I think is actually where all the, the fun and beauty in, in life is. It's not actually the destination you get to.
0: And yet you, you reach those goals, but now you have multiple bosses. It's great.
2: Say it again. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I said you, you hit those goals and now you have
2: multiple bosses. <laughs> yeah, You know what though? You know what though? H? It, 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 you still, it, it was control, control over my life. On uh, And, and um, listen, everyone always has a boss at, at, at any term. You guys have, cl- you know, you could name your clients, your bosses, things like that. But at, at a certain, certain stage, like I, I'm sure you now believe that you're providing a ton of value to your clients to where you can choose who you want to work with, how you want to work with them, things like that. And that that's the ultimate end goal, right? Like is to have call it, uh, partners or partnerships, right? People that, that are on the same page as your vision on where you're going to head. And they're not going to, you know, and the internet marketing agency I had, they're not going to call me up on f- and fire me on a Saturday night and go, what the fuck's going on? They're going to have a collaborative conversation around how do we grow or how do we do, do better here? And and these are eventually I get to choose to only work with my friends, right? Or people I actually enjoy doing business with, things like that. Like that, that was the ultimate goal. So yeah, you, you I got you. you you're right. You go from a, you know, a traditional nine to five boss. And, you know, at the time I felt like I didn't have a boss. You're right. I had, I had 10 internet marketing clients that were all my bosses to your point. And then, you know, eventually move from, you know, five, five bosses by that definition and five partners. And then eventually you have 10, you know, we'll call it, you know, friends that you work with and make money together. And I think that's the ultimate goal.
3: Harrison has jokes, but you're exactly right. I mean, I have, thousands of bosses unfortunately but I'm very fortunate for that and I think you know I've had to explain this to people numerous times Anthony people always ask me like are you gonna sell ringba are you trying to get acquired or like what are your goals and um I I think it's interesting to tell them that my goals aren't actually financial. My goals are to impact as many entrepreneurs and people in performance marketing as I possibly can and help as many of them grow their business as I possibly can. And so I report to those people. Yeah. And, you know, my my wife has asked me numerous times about this, and my reply is always the same. like if we if we sell Ringba, then I gotta go uh, do another one so that I can continue right. to fulfill my mission. So at some point, yeah the mission changes from the financial milestone to the personal one of fulfillment. And I think that's, that's when you actually get to start to change the world when your why becomes bigger than yourself. And so uh, what you said resonated a a lot with me there, because you're right. We all, we all have a boss, but the question is, did you choose that boss and do you enjoy serving that boss, whatever it may be? Right.
2: Yeah. And to your, to your point, I think the irony is you guys have experienced incredible success because of that, that frame you're coming from. It wasn't to, how do you make another, you know, two grand out of this client or how do I get, you know, go buy a, a third mansion. It was, it was, how do, how do I serve? And it's, it's the, I think it's the funniest irony in life is, is, you, you know, uh, I, I related to like, I, I had, I share sometimes this on, on podcasts. This could, could be useful. I had maybe like a two month period of like panic attacks. I never had a panic attack before in my entire life, never experienced anxiety. And during that period, I found that, the more I focused on it, the less, the more I got of the negative, the less I, you know, the, the more I focused on the right things, the more I got of that. So it, it's just this interesting irony in life that to your point, the more you're focused on adding value to other people's lives, you end up receiving abundance of it, whether that's, that's money or enterprise value or, you know, whatever it is. So it's, it, and I think the quicker, and, I'm, and I used to be, uh, you know, if I, if we talked two years ago, a little bit more naive to like, don't focus on driving a fucking sick car, or living in a suit. So like, I get that. If that's where you're at today, like that's your focus. I think you'll eventually find that the, the fuel that you're talking about, Adam, is so much stronger octane to run a car off of than unleaded fuel, you know, because it, it, it's what, it's why you work the hours you work. It's why you guys have grown the speed you've grown at. It's why you guys have such an unbelievable platform for people to utilize and and, and leverage. And, and uh, yeah, dude, I, I think it's beautiful when you're focused on, on something outside of yourself. It's like anytime, you know, I heard a quote somewhere, anytime we're experiencing pain, we're focused on ourselves. And we're focused on being selfish. And I think when we're focused on serving others or how we can make the world better or how we can, we can do things to add value to other people. I think that's when that, that's when we, we actually weirdly get, get, uh, you know, everything we, we ever could have wanted selfishly in return a very funny irony well that's when scale also
3: opens up to unlimited and so if you're growing a business right now you know the reality is if you're focused on me and the cool car or whatever the financial milestone is you probably can make a million bucks or a couple million bucks maybe you'll be a millionaire right you know which is cool right i'm not knocking anyone else's goals uh if it's about your family and your legacy and your team you probably can build a 10 million dollar business right it's going to take a few years you'll get there you'll you'll become a multimillionaire but Uh, generally speaking, if you want unlimited scale, if you want to dominate a market, if you want to be a billionaire, right? And I'm not there yet. But the reality is you have to have a mission and a focus and a goal uh, that drives you, that is bigger than yourself, that inspires you and your customer and your team, so that when you run into these incredibly powerful headwinds, because they're there and they're going to try and stop you, that you can Focus back on your mission, whatever that mission is. And as long as the mission is bigger than yourself and positively impacting as many people as possible in your own way, then uh, then you get the courage and the bravery to fight through those headwinds. And then you can build a business of unlimited scale. And so this is something that I've meditated a lot on, uh, you know, over the last six months. Um, and it's it's incredibly powerful. Whenever I run into an obstacle, no matter how complicated, I think to myself, you know, like I obviously have to deal with it. But if I just focus on my mission, uh, you know, eventually the the weather will open up uh, and we can start sailing again. It's when you turn that focus inside, like you said, that it can become incredibly detrimental and, and scary. Um, and so that's why I'm super grateful for my customers and our mission, because it's fulfilling to me. So no matter where I'm at, like I can always point point my ship towards that um, and it centers me and helps me focus.
2: Yeah, I love that, dude. And I think even anyone listening, if you're a solopreneur or just, you know, for me, it was, I I mentioned my selfish goals that I wanted. I hit them. It became, it was a low period in life. It was kind of like empty. It was like, ah, I got it, but this this is it. And I think any.
1: Hello, this is Josh from the Affiliate Marketing hey, Show. It's, it's, hang oh, hang you up. there? You froze yeah, could, for a second. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's start I- with you. Uh, you hit your goals, and then it was an empty lull. Go from there.
2: An em- empty lull, and I said, I said, I think, I think half the people on here can probably relate to you know hitting a goal and feeling empty, even if it's buying a new pair of shoes. That three weeks later, that that pair of shoes you were so excited about becomes relative, and now you're on to the next. <laughs> two. Like that's an empty progression right and for for me just as far as like the next like quick easiest step it was it was a friend or a family member or it could be an employee and you say how do I you know how do I pull this other person up with me how do I get them to make the same as I do how do I get them to um, experience the same quality of life I do whether it's freedom of time again like some of these other elements we talked about or whatever you enjoy where where you're at today in life so for me it was just focus on how do I bring at the time it was my brother how do I bring my brother to that level and then it became my friend and then my other friend. And then it was a team and then it was a, a, a customers and 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 everything around that. And we'd start tracking how much money we're saving. You know, we'd say, how many leads did we drive today? Turn an X amount of closes. Those closes save the customer how much money. Boom, every morning we post it in. And then I've got a part-time guy going out and getting testimonial videos from those callers that, that spoke for over 40 minutes, as an example, getting a, a testimonial and them talking about how much money we save them. Why did we do that? because it helped us understand what the impact we were making. And that was the the fuel or the why we got to hear Susie Q in Alabama talking about how much money we saved her, or how much, how much we helped her. And, uh, and, and that's, that's what drove us. And Adam's talking about, I think, you know, if you, the quicker you can get to there where it's, you know, your customers incredible, even if it's today, it's maybe your, your team or, or your, 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 your wife to be able to have experience a different level of living, like something outside of yourself versus I want, I want, I want, I want, it's how can I help? you know, my wife, my kids, my family member, my first employee, my assistant, my accountant, whatever that is, my customer, ideally at the end of the, at the, end of the day.
1: Um, so I want to ask, actually, I want to unpack this. There's so much I want to talk about in this episode, but before we move on, so you guys talk about, you know, less focusing on you, right? Don't chase that financial goal, figure out how you can serve others. But when does, when does that change? Cause that's something personally I struggle with, right? I'm, I am chasing that financial goal, but I'm wondering, do you change to serving others once you reach a certain point, or is it that the financial goal is met once you start serving others? Because I feel you could make an argument for both. Like, okay, I'm at a good place now. Now I can start serving others, or is it I'm not there yet, but I'm going to start serving others, and then you get there. What would you What would your answer be to that?
2: I think there's ultimately, you know, I, I think um, what do they say? One option is no choice. Two options is, is a dilemma. And three options is really a real, real option. So to say, do I just focus on money? Do I just focus on serving others? I don't think that, I don't think those are choices. I think that's a dilemma. I think the, you know, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh option, which I would explore. And I would say in any decision-making tree I make, or or, or you make, I would go through what's the option three through seven. And ultimately you'll figure out there's 12 options actually. And that, and somewhere out of those three to seven is actually the, the real answer. But to answer your question, it would be incredibly naive for me to say, if you make, I'm making up a number, you know, 40 grand a year and you want to get to hundred that your life wouldn't, wouldn't change substantially for sure. At a hundred to 150, does your life change a ton? Maybe, maybe not. I actually had this conversation the other day, a guy who was talking about quantum bands of, of income. And he was saying, you know, and, and we'll just use round numbers. We'll say hundred to 150. He said, your lifestyle doesn't change. So why are you Taking attempts and swings to go from 100 to 150k income. Why would you not be going? When does your lifestyle change? Is that 250? If that's the case, why not take swings to get to there? So he he's a VC he's worth 100 million dollars, and he's saying go from for him again, it's easier with bigger numbers. I get it. Everyone rolling their eyes. Going from 100 to 180 million, he doesn't change one thing in his life. But from 100 to 250 million dollars, he starts driving, having a pri- private jet and all these other things. Right? Like again role-eyed scenario i'm giving you here but the the principle applies at at, at different numbers as well too so it's 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 interesting what you're saying again if we talked three years ago i'd be like focus on other people that's it that's a naive comment for me at the at the stage so i do understand the 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 this is what I want, and I do also understand that that everyone needs to experience lessons on their own. You need to get to hundred grand and realize, oh shit, this is kind of a low period, kind of empty. I'm glad I'm there, but this isn't really what gets me out of bed anymore to go to 150 or 200 or 250. There's some, there's got to be more, right? And so I, and I think that's different for every person. Admittedly, that was just me. I didn't have a family, a kids, other things. Could be a different number. But I would really look for, now that this is my my direct comment, I'd really look for what, what you mentioned, which is the middle ground. I don't think there's anything wrong with having financial goals. I just think they're reach better focusing on adding value. You know, if you take business, you look at it as a, I'll talk talk a little bit like uh, religiously here. Business is a spiritual game, in my opinion. You have to add value to substantial amount of people consistently in order to make money? Like that's it at the end of the the day. So if you're focused on making more money, the real question you're saying is how do I add more value to more people consistently and people will pay you for that value for the number of people that are receiving that value and getting it on an ongoing basis. I think that's where and how you actually go make more income. So I I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to go from 70 to 100, 100 to 200, whatever that is. I just don't think the right, I think the right framework to do that starts from a value creation standpoint, which is exactly what Adam and I are talking about, which is how do you serve others and do more for others? Like, I imagine I'm making this up. I'm imagining Ringba had a customer say, I've got a problem. Can you can you solve this for me? Or, hey, I don't like this. And then the engineering team building it into a feature that now can go get rolled out to more people that now allows those customers to scale, spend more money with Ringba, or refer them to someone else to come on because that was a problem that other places didn't solve. I can imagine that being, and you know, that, come, that could come from a how do I make more money standpoint, which is really how do I solve problems for people, or it can come from a how do I how do I help people and do more for the world, which could be how do I solve more problems for people? So I think you you arrive at both looking at, you know, potentially could arrive at both, but I think when you're doing it from the framework Adam's talking about, um, I think you get there quicker and it's a lot more enjoyable of a process than banging your head when you went from 70 to 80,000, you meant to hit a hundred, you
3: know? You're also doing it at a different scale. And so if I'm thinking like, how do I buy a new car um, or how do I hit a financial milestone? that limits the way i think about how i impact people because if it's you know 100k a year i'm like all right well i got to deliver 100k a year in value so i don't even think about the financial milestone to your point anthony what i think about is how can i impact the most people in in the biggest way uh as fast as possible and if i can do that i can't calculate the financial reward but i know it's going to be there and so you know To give you an idea, Josh, like at Ringba, we have enterprise Slack channels where our customers um, are able to communicate directly with our team. And I'm in every single one of those. We have a ton of them. And the reason I'm in every single one of them is so I can listen to our smartest customers, Uh, not necessarily the biggest, we generally give them to our smartest, And I can listen to every single one of them so I can hear their needs and I can try and help their businesses grow in the biggest way possible. And so when I'm able to combine all that feedback, I'm able to organize the change and resources that we have to impact as many people as possible in the biggest way. And then that usually results in the largest financial impact that I could hope for. So in your case, Josh, I think what's interesting about what Anthony said is you can have the financial milestone, but you'll get there faster if you look at how to serve people. So if you ask your customers like, hey, Mr. Customer, thanks for being a customer. How can I serve you better? How could I do more for your business? What's your biggest problem? And, you know, like, what can I offer you? The uh, That's my favorite right,
0: question right there. Yeah. and Like, hey, responses... what's the biggest problem you're trying to solve in your business? Yeah. And the responses the I get from those are... Generally, crazy, like in a good way.
3: They'll they'll give me all the feedback I need to sort of move the needle. Um, and then the bigger the bigger you try and serve someone, the less likely you're going to be able to calculate the overall financial impact. But the bigger it's going to be. So at some point, you sort of just stop thinking about the financial milestones. For instance, I don't think about them at Ringba at all. Like literally. Uh, and people ask me like, how big, how much revenue, whatever. My reply is, I don't think about that stuff. Uh, I just literally think about how can I impact as much positive change as I can. When you make that mindset shift, Josh, it just changes changes your life. It doesn't matter where you're at, whether it's 10 bucks, 10 million, 100 million, whatever. When you, when that mindset shifts, it removes the ceiling. You literally can change the world.
1: So Mr. Sir Andrea, I think I said it right this time. Speaking of financial goals, Pocket Your Dollars was recently acquired, I believe last year in 2022. Now, for those of you who don't know about Pocket Your Dollars, they're an online marketplace for Americans to compare and find the best options on insurance coverage or financial products. That's taken straight from your website. So I hope it's accurate. It was featured on Ellen DeGeneres. It has over 2.5 million Americans that have called already. I'm sure that number is much higher today. But what I really want to know is what is your experience like going through an acquisition process like this? What's that first phone call? Are you making it? Are they making it to you? What's the stresses associated with an acquisition? Or what advice can you shed on someone who's going through an acquisition right now, now that you're on the other side of it?
2: Oh, man, those are all... So I go on an hour for each one of those different life stages. You said, do you go on it? If you're in the middle of it, post. Um, but um, I'll tell you, so my journey, we we hired an investment banker, um, which again, came from a lot of the principles I'm, I'm preaching here, which is uh, getting better at uh, learning or understanding business. So I found out they're commission only salespeople, uh, which means for me, it was a free education. I was like, hell yeah, this is this is great. I don't have to pay them to go through a process and learn everything here. And worst case, I, I I learned a ton. So hired an investment banker. Um, through that process, they start putting together what's called a sim, um, which is basically think of like a PowerPoint presentation about your business. They go blast it out to 200 people that might be uh, financial or strategic buyers, and then they come back and they set up it. you're setting up Zoom calls. I must've been on 70 different Zoom calls. You get offers, offers, then you get down to the 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 company say so, okay, I'm gonna move forward with and then you go from there. Along that process, I learned so much about what people loved and hated about my business. There was a lot of things that I were just second nature to me. I just said, oh, those aren't a big deal that people loved. And there were a lot of things that I thought were awesome that people absolutely hated and and would throw out. So I get to essentially, uh, even if nothing happened, I had a free blueprint on on what companies that would eventually want to spend money on me for wanted. And I got to start making real-time adjustments to my business along the way. So moving forward, I will will continue to invest in relationships with investment bankers and any new space, new product, new service that I launch, I will start a lot of those conversations with those bankers to say, hey, can you put me in contact with a potential uh, um, um, financial buyer, which I can explain, a potential strategic buyer, which I can explain as well too and be able to get feedback on what they're looking for instead. And essentially imagine this, if I could come to, if I'm Google and I'm creating a AI search engine, I'm making up a silly example. If I could sit down with Google and say, hey, I want to sell to you in five years, what do you want? Right. And like, it's not that bluntly you're going to get that, but that's pretty much what I got. I got, hey, I want to sell to you. What what do you want? And now someone actually said, I'll take it as is, or as you've engineered it throughout the last last year of the process and learnings. But, um, had they not, I had a really good blueprint to go apply to my business to eventually come back and be able to actually make it, make a, make a, make, it, make an exit based on what they want. Um, did happy to dive in on um, deeper into any of that, but that was the, that's I have time. a
3: question for you. Please. Um, what would you have, and this is very open-ended what would you have done differently?
2: Yeah. Th- and it's funny. You and I, you and I talked about this before too. And, and, I, and I've put, put thought into it as well too. Um, one thing I would have thought differently is I would have, um, I never thought I was uh, building something to sell it, right? Just like how we talked about, I thought I had a good cash flow business. I thought I was helping a lot of people, my team, all the stuff, which I was, and I'm glad I came from that frame. But had I put on a little bit more of an engineer to sell hat, I think I would have learned um, some of the spaces. And you and I talked about this, some of the spaces that I was in. I would not have been in. I would have spent more time. Um, you know, I, I've got a belief, and this maybe isn't hundred percent correct, but it 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 takes relatively the same energy, effort, and abilities to crack auto insurance as an example, as it does debt settlement. Debt settlement, not one human on the planet wanted to buy auto insurance. If you go look at every public company in the lead gen space, auto insurance makes up a massive percentage of the revenue. That's not any inside information. That's all public. You can go look at all that Hundred to the tune of hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. So I would have I would have chosen the strategic places spaces that I was in better because I would have learned that I would have sold for a higher multiple. I would have been more attractive to buyers. I would have had more um, uh, a, lot, a lot more stability in my business as well too. I wouldn't have had some guy trying to run away on a $200,000 invoice. I would have had a you know a direct insurance carrier set pre open enrollment budget for me and say here's how many millions of dollars of calls I'm going to buy from you before that period even started. So there's there's a ton of benefits, uh, in my opinion, in working in quote unquote bigger more crowded spaces. Uh, I I think there's there's a that that's what I 100 percent would have done differently. I would have, I would have looked at different spaces that I was attacking.
3: So how do we get affiliates to think more about how to build an actual business versus just running traffic and you know just to give you an idea for the offer vault audience it's a lot of affiliates across all verticals not just paper call and obviously i'm a little biased i love calls too because it's big companies it's sustainable but like how do you think we evangelize affiliates thinking more long term than generally how they do
2: i think i think you start with the the pain point they might be they're experiencing so if i'm talking to someone here who uh lit up traffic source made some money had their shit scrubbed or the offer went down or they put in like, it, it, it's a, it's a rat race in a lot, a lot of ways. And I think if anyone, um, you know, listening, take a second and look backwards on where you might have rat racy things in your past and say, shit, I put in a lot of time energy effort into this that eventually died. You know what I mean? Um, and, and it's, it, it's almost like a bunch of like one night stands. Like you're like, like cool at first. Awesome. But I'm sure, uh, you know, very quickly it becomes empty and you're like, oh, you know what? I actually want to find someone I can build a life with. Not right. I'm not, not saying everyone, or maybe everyone at this stage, like, but, but I, I believe eventually you're like, and Adam, I know you're a big proponent of this too. You're, you're like, okay, who can I, who can be a partner with me for the rest of my life? Right. Like I'm, I'm looking at like business similarly. And how would you treat a one night stand girl versus a partner for life girl? This is, a- I'm taking notes, Anthony. Very funny, very, <laughs> very very silly analogy, but but, it, but it's true, right? Like you you would you you would do dramatically different things. You'd go on different dates. You'd have to ask different questions. You would you would target the, a different type of of girl that you were going to go out with, not just the one that's going to sleep with you right away, someone who actually shares in your values, things like that. So I, I would look backwards at your business one night stands you've had and realize how maybe there was some emptiness there, and say, okay. If I were to take, cause it's really not that fundamentally crazy different to go look for a partner you're going to be with that you plan to be with and get married to and have kids with and someone a one night stand. Like you're still taking a lot of the same actions. You still have to go out on dates, still have to have conversations, right? Like there's probably 70% same in the bulk. And I would say a lot of people that are doing you know, uh, one-off affiliates that are making, you know, I'll call it cheap money or quick money. You know, it, it it's, you've got 70% of the makings of a, maybe even more of a real business and a real business owner. It's just, where am I missing those other 30%. So some of those things might be like hiring a team around you. Like you mentioned, it's, it's, um, Uh, Maybe, maybe looking at some of the spaces you're spending time and energy to, and having a little bit more trust in yourself that you can go figure out a more evergreen space, a little bit more above board space than dick pills or something like that. Right. Like there there there, but you probably know how to run traffic very well and you're probably a very good marketer. So how do you formalize the relationship with your buyer or your end buyer? Do you go upstream and create the product or service? Um, And then the team around you, who else is helping you build this for you and with you? Let me
0: jump in real quick, Anthony. I think, and Adam and I have talked about this a lot over the years. I would say, you know, firstly, a little off topic, two episodes, I think 50% of the episode, two episodes ago, was about dick pills. So great.
1: I was going to say, we cannot escape dick pills on this show. (laughs) I don't know why they (laughs) just keep coming back. (laughs)
0: But about, about what you're saying, I think there's two kind of humps that the like single affiliate solopreneur, whatever you want to call it, gets over to really building a business and something that has value and can become, you know, acquirable. that's the yeah. word, but it's number one, learning how to delegate and, and being, te- you know, having a team, building a team, yeah. not just, um, you know, doing everything yourself, like literally being a yes. one man show. And then the second thing is, you know, Adam and I've literally use this now, not spinning plates anymore. And yep. running kind of tasteless stuff, et cetera. That's the the plate spinning. You are running an offer, it goes down because it was yep. shitty, comes back, your Facebook account gets nuked, yep. oh, your Google account gets nuked. I'm cloaking, I gotta get more. You know, that yep. that's the plate spinning. And once you can kind of get your head around that away from that, yeah. and start to build like what you're talking about, you know, the, the going on dates mentality, uh, yep. you can you can start to to prog- progress there.
2: For sure. And I think <laughs> I think the delegation comment you you mentioned. Sorry, Adam, were you gonna say something?
3: Yeah, I mean, probably it's very similar to what you were going to say. I think it's not a real business until you can get hit by a bus and the business still grows, right? Like, if I go away on a three-month vacation and come back, Ringva is going to be bigger. And that's because our team shares the same values, shares the same mission. um, And, you know, we've built an organization to be resilient where everyone knows how to make decisions the way I would make them. And so, you know, that's what affiliates really need to strive towards is, you know, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, does my business still exist and thrive? And when you can say yes, then you have uh, a real business that can be acquired.
2: And I'll, I'll say to all the people sitting back listening that are making a hundred grand to a million bucks somewhere there by yourself, kind of like, okay, I hear you, but why do I care making uh, making good money? Which I get, have those calls all the time. I would say, how dare you be so small-minded? You had a one in 400 trillion chance. Yeah. One in 400 trillion chance of being birthed on this planet, by the way, a hundred thousand dollars or million dollars a year is fucking nothing. It's nothing. It's not, if, if you're trying, if you want to talk financially, it's nothing. It's it, it, that doesn't support you to be financially independent for the rest of your life. You can't live off a million dollars for the rest of your life. You can't invest that and live off the dividends of that investment for the rest of your life. It's nothing. So if, if if you really want to be challenged and you're, you're there's so many conversations I have on I'm making 500 grand a year by myself, why the hell would I look for more You're. How dare you think so small-minded small with this gift of life you were given? And and uh, well, not only that, how are you going to change the world with five hundred thousand
3: dollars? That's what we're here for. You want to impact change and do something that really fulfills you and changes the world in a powerful way? You can't do shit with a million. Yeah. Like you need you need to think huge, and yeah. that's the thing. It, it, Elon Musk has the same twenty-four hours a day that everyone else has, but this guy's changed the world and doing crazy shit, and it's inside of all of us. And if we tap it and we find our calling, um, life is just a better place. And I think what you're talking about, Anthony, is just complacency. And it it drives me nuts, too, because affiliates and people in our industry are some of the most creative, like creative, smart, clever, amazing people I've ever met. That's why I love this industry. But they're always they're They're like a few percentage points away from really going all in. And so cool. Like, yeah, make a few million bucks a year, even for a temporary period of time, you got to rebuild it. Great. Like how many people did you positively impact? And I think, you know, those people, they, they find themselves empty, you know, like after you have the Ferrari, it's super fun for like 30 days and then it's a burden. Um, but when you change people's lives for the better, you know, you can wear a $10 Amazon shirt and not care and that's that's real freedom I found. And so I hear like frustration in your voice, and and
2: I really really like it. I don't know how it's going to come it's, across, no, but I love it because it, 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 you know it, it's. I said it on. I spoke on stage and maybe three four years ago at this point, and and, and I was as I was reflecting before this speech, I said, "What's the backbone of every, not every business? Most businesses, it's marketing, right? Like it's it's a net, sales marketing. Excuse me, is every business." Sales and marketing is every business. And we as an affiliate community are some of, if not the best sales and marketing people on this planet. How the fuck is there not major unicorn billion dollar startups birthed out of affiliate marketers? I, I, I and, and I think it comes back to that complacency. It comes back to make 300 grand a year, 500 grand a year. I am love where I'm at. I'm buying bottle service. I'm doing this. It, it's so fucking infuriating that so many world-changing businesses could be birthed out of someone listening to this podcast that may not be because they're they're okay they're satiated you know when the best time to kill a crocodile is after they ate because they're satiated and, and and that that's what i'm afraid of is the people on here that are are, are satiated by making 100 grand 500 grand a million dollars by yourself and and you don't have the you don't have the courage to go higher and let someone and have someone steal from you. You don't have the courage to go hire the wrong hire and then mess up. You don't have the courage to say, how do I delegate myself out of this to where I don't actually, I can spend my day thinking, staring at a wall like Warren Buffett does um, uh, uh, all, all day long and say, okay, how, how can I be more strategic with a, what I'm doing and become a real business owner? If, if you don't have, in my opinion, you don't have at least three employees, probably even, excuse me, there's a book it's called the E-Meth and this is, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anyone. If you're a solopreneur, you're not an entrepreneur, and I stop labeling yourself as that. You built yourself a job. If you have, call it three to five employees, you're probably becoming a very good manager. At that point, you're probably a good manager. You're still not an entrepreneur. I think I don't, I don't know. What, I don't know if there's an employee count, but I'll tell you what your day looks like. If if your day is, in my opinion, over fifty percent not doing things, probably even a higher percentage. I'll be generous with this, uh, so I'm not hurting too many people's feelings. Working on the business versus in the business, meaning it's looking at the next space we're going to go into. It's trying to go get new talent and acquire. It's understanding how if I could re-engineer my books or look at my PL for where I'm bleeding, things like that. Until or how do I add personal development so I can become a have better psychology as a leader? Until over 50% of your days doing that, you're not an entrepreneur. And I would stop labeling yourself as that. And I'm saying that on purpose to be a fucking asshole to you because I want whoever's listening to this to have a real shot in the heart. And because I'm sure they're around a lot of people saying how awesome it is, how much money they're making. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, Adam, and I share this with you. I'm in a group called Tiger 21. It's I, just, I joined post-exit. Exit. You have to have a certain net worth to be in there. I am the smallest piece of shit in that room. Everyone there's got over $100 million net worth. I feel like a fucking loser in that room, and I'm not. And I'm so happy I'm in that room because I, I, I want to be. You know, what is it? The the rule of thirds: fifty percent of people above you, fifty percent below you, fifty percent uh, uh, that are the same size as you level. But I, I'm guessing a lot of people that are listening right now aren't spending a ton of time with people that are kicking them in the nuts, saying, "Dude, you you got a lot more in you. Congratulations! If you if you're even spending the time investing your time to listen to this episode, there's something special and different about you than the rest of the world. People watch what is it, six, seven hours a day at television and you're spending an hour, hour and a half listening to a podcast, you're different and you're unique. And that's fucking amazing that you're investing in yourself in that. Now go do something with that. Go do something more. Take take chances to become more than just a, a affiliate that makes quick traffic or, or quick money. And again, too, I hope nobody feels disrespected anything I said. I hope it's it's just a kick in the nuts because I love and care about you because it'd be very easy to say how fucking awesome it is that you just bought a new Lamborghini and I, and I love it and I want to ride in it.
1: Anthony, I always think when we uh, can't even hit half of our topics, let alone all of our topics, it's a pretty fire episode. And I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show today. So much other stuff we wanted to talk about. But guess what? That means you're coming back. We're going to have you back on down the road. You are a fantastic guest. I think everybody needs a kick in the nuts once in a while. So I don't think any apology is needed. That was awesome. Uh, Four. Josh from the Affiliate Marketing Show and OfferVault.com for Adam Young, the CEO and founder of Ringba, Harrison Gewurz, the affiliate industry heartthrob, and Anthony Serendrea, the man with the master plan. Let's make that paper. Let's make that dough. This was the Affiliate Marketing Show. We will see you guys next time.